0: You're listening to WJMSradio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up show starts right now. And welcome. Welcome to Monday. Hello, Fired Up fam on WJMSradio.com. This is your man, Steve. We're here sitting in a chair, getting ready to pull the curtains back on this eve of the most important day uh, in the last four years, at least, if not in our lifetimes. Yes, that's right. Tomorrow, Tuesday, is the last election day, period. And I don't know about you, but man, I will be glad when we are looking at this campaign season in the rearview mirror. Um, the last two years have just been a strap into the ride time. you know, It's been crazy. 25 Democratic candidates whittled down to two, uh, three or four Republican contenders uh, going against the incumbent president. They dropped out. And here we are down to a candidate for president, an incumbent president, a candidate for vice president, an incumbent vice president, and a wide scale vote on the Senate and House of Representatives that will definitely uh, either way it goes will definitely shape the near-term future of this country so and (laughs) i don't know about you but once we get past this i'd really like about you know maybe 30 days that's not too much to ask just just maybe 30 days where i don't have to hear you know my name is blankety blank and i approve this message after, you know, 2,700 commercials a day and, you know, 20 emails a day from people texting, finding out if I'm going to vote and do I know about the early voting and do I know where my polling place is. I'm done. I'm. <laughs> this has been, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting proposition to do this show each week. Um, it, it involves you know scanning the news across you know multiple sources as i've said many times you know i i listen to a wide variety of news sources both uh right wing left wing centrist progressive liberal conservative and out of all of that i i garner the the stories that i think have the most impact on the political system here in this country and those are what i bring to you each week uh, as I've often said, uh, it's not the, the function of this show to, to talk extensively about this political candidate or that incumbent you know, on, on either side of the aisle. I really focus on you know, the political system, on you know, the games that both sides are playing with, you know, with us, the electorate, the people of the United States. And just try to bring your attention to them so that as you exercise your political rights, uh, you do so from the standpoint of being informed and to, to the best extent I can, educated, uh, so that you're making you know, good, solid decisions about things that affect your future. And, you know, th- this political season has been so contentious and just so unusual as you look across, you know, the, the history of voting in this country, uh, at least, uh, you know, as I said, for you know the last 50 or 60 years, um, it, it has just been, you know, an all out thing. And, you know, you know, keep in mind, you know, uh, elections are not uh, supposed to be a popularity contest or a who looks best on TV context contest contest. Uh, you know, for for the the candidates seeking to unseat an incumbent, uh, an election is a job application where we're supposed to review their credentials, uh, you know, investigate and get the facts on their bona fides and see who exactly is best suited to have us put them into you know that job for you know the duration of their term. And for the incumbents, it is very much a report card on how they have performed uh, during the time of their term uh, with regard to what the people who ultimately have sent them to office uh, intended for them to do. Have they lived up to our expectations? Have they done what we have asked them to do? Are they responsive to us? So, you know, it, it isn't about, you know a versus b and you know who looks better or who's got the better sound bite or you know and so forth it's about what's the platform look like what are they doing for you know the constituent communities across this country what are they doing in the face of what's going on with events of the day and events of national interest and international interest that impact the united states of america you know, every day, every week, every month, every year. That's what elections are about. And it is with that in mind, uh, when we go to our polling place or when we fill out that early voting ballot uh, or, you know, however we cast our vote. Those are the questions that we need to be asking about everybody from, you know, the presidency of the United States all the way down to your your mayors, your city councils, your county boards, your your school boards, uh, you know, all of it. Um, The the down ballot, as as we've been saying uh, just about every week for the last two years, uh, the down ballot is. At least as important as the top of the ticket, if not more so, because it's those down ballot offices: the the city council, the state representatives, the state senators, the governors. These are the people that have the largest impact on your day to day lives. Uh, true, the president and vice president, and the leader of the Senate and the speaker of the House. You know, they, they control a lot about the direction that this country travels. But day to day, the people who are responsible to make sure that your roads uh, are at least drivable, if not smooth and, and well lit, etc., and that your schools are adequately funded and teachers are adequately equipped and classrooms have what they need. That your police departments, your fire departments, your your hospitals, your EMTs, that they have what they need in order to keep us safe and healthy, you know, every day of the year. These are the important races that we must consider. That we must make sure that we are as informed about as we try to be with our national offices, because uh, they are the ones that you will interact with, you know, on a daily basis. So. You know, it, it is important. And right now we're at Monday. Tomorrow is Election Day uh, in in this political season. It, it isn't the first day of voting. It's actually the last day of voting, of actual physical voting, when everyone who has not yet submitted a ballot through the early voting process will now go to their local polling place and, you know, cast their, val- their ballot in person and, you know, if you are among those people who have not yet or did not take the early voting option, so you will be uh, going to your polling place tomorrow and physically casting your ballot uh, as you have uh, for a long time. If you're a long time voter or maybe it's your first time and you go and participate in the actual physical voting process, um, it, it is important that you do so. You know, uh, I have been saying as well as every uh, news source and and personality on TV and all kinds of leaders all up and down and celebrities and and politicians have been saying uh, it is ultimately important that you get your vote counted. So if you if you are among the people who will be casting a ballot in person tomorrow, um, please Make sure that happens. Don't let anything or anyone stand in your way. Make sure you have what you need to prove who you are, whatever your requirements are in your state. Make sure you have that information. Get to the polling place. Get there early. You're probably going to be standing in in a line. Uh, Don't let that discourage you. But in, in any way you can, make sure that you get your vote in by the end of voting tomorrow. Then we begin the process of, you know, counting up the votes and watching to see what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, further on in the program. But, of course, first, as I always do, I uh, want to recap where we are with the numbers. So, um, you know, for, for numbers, um, 9.185 231, 000, million, 231,000, What are those? Well, 9.185 million cases of COVID-19 have been reported in this country as of Sunday. And 231,000 deaths from COVID have been reported. 91.6 million, that is the total number of early voting ballots that have already been cast in the 2020 uh, presidential and national elections. Uh, That's uh, Two thirds of the total number of ballots that were cast in 2016 uh, uh, and, uh, you know, 60 percent of the ballots that were cast in the 2018 midterms. So we're on our way, apparently, to what is going to be a record voter turnout for this election, uh, which, you know, is not and, and was not unexpected because of the contentious nature of this sh- this terms elections and all of the issues that have been at uh, at the forefront of the political discussion and you know, the, the national concerns and, and everything. Uh, this election has always thought that it to be a, a barn burner in terms of the number of people who will get out and vote. So so we will look to see how high that number goes at the end of, of ballot counting. And, you know, as a reminder, as, as we've been talking about, uh, unlike elections past, where, you know, if you waited up until, you know, midnight or one in the morning or whatever, that you would have a, a final call on who the next president uh, would be, that's likely not going to be the case with this election, as there are literally millions and millions and tens of millions of, uh, ballots that are going to need to be counted you know through the states throughout the country so it's going to be a few days and it's going to be a tumultuous couple of days at that Um, the incumbent administration has already begun the battle process against the voter registrations and and voter turnout in this country And, you know, there have been any number of stories about lawsuits that have been filed and actions that have been taken to relocate or eliminate polling places and various other voter suppression tactics and voter nullification tactics that have been played by the incumbent administration and the the Republican Party uh, to limit or restrict the number of Democrat and independent votes that get counted for the election uh, and, you know, not to be discounted, uh, the great state of Texas is once again in the news as a story came out on Sunday uh, about the Texas Supreme Court rejecting a Republican led effort to throw out nearly one hundred and twenty seven thousand votes that have been cast in Harris County, which in- includes Houston uh where they have, because of the pandemic, they set up drive-through balloting. And the article uh, that came out, uh, and this article was reported in the Texas Tribune, uh, that the Republicans uh, are pursuing a lawsuit in federal court hoping to get the votes thrown out by arguing that drive-through voting violates the U.S. Constitution. A hearing in that case is set for Monday morning, or actually, by the time this show airs, will have already occurred. Uh, and you know, in, in this Houston-based federal district court, uh, just literally one day before Election Day. So, uh, while I won't have the outcome of that that case uh, as of the time of the airing of this show. I will follow up and, and, you know, bring you what updates uh, I find out. Uh, I will post, once I get the final decision on the case, what I'll do is I will post it on my Facebook page uh, as, as one of the This Just In articles that I post periodically on news that doesn't make it into the broadcast due to, you know, time constraints or the day I record this and so forth. So if you go to the Fired Up Radio page in Facebook, Uh, there will be a post, uh, you know, probably, you know, midweek regarding this where I will follow up and give you the outcome and let you know what I think it means. Um, And and again, that's uh, in Facebook, uh, search for Fired Up Radio, and you'll get my page. Uh, Please take a moment to, you know, to like the page and subscribe so that you continue to get updates as I post them out. And, uh, you know, let me know also what you think via the email address, which is firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, let me know what your impressions are or were of the you know, election just completed. Uh, are you happy with who's won? Are you unhappy with who's won? You know, do, do you think the right decision was made you know, either way? So let me know. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to have some comments and bring them to the show on, you know, on the next Monday or the Monday after where we can have a discussion about that. So but getting back to the story, um, what what is going on with this is back in July, they they ran this uh, drive through um, early voting uh, as a way for people to vote who didn't want to risk the then booming uh, coronavirus pandemic by going into a physical polling place and standing there and casting their ballot in person. And the way it works is you would pull up in your car uh, and either with a, a buzzer that was there or honk your horn, a, an official poll worker would come out would check your credentials, you know, make verify your identity, and they would hand you a tablet where you could record your ballot electronically in this tablet and get it counted. In um, a last-minute filing to the the state supreme court, um, several conservative uh, representatives and and county Republicans. Uh, called this method of casting votes at these mobile voting centers unconstitutional and illegal under election law. Now, the counter argument is is that they actually are not unconstitutional. There is no designation as to uh, physical location of a a polling place at the federal level, even though there may be some uh, governing requirements at the state levels. However, they say that, you know, even if the location where the votes are cast, if they are properly cast with all of the required identification, credentialing and so forth, that the votes that are cast are still legal. And that's the argument that is being decided on in this in this lawsuit. And as I said, we will continue to follow it and see what comes from it. But the the upshot is, is that if the uh, injunction is upheld, that more than just these hundred and twenty seven thousand votes might be impacted. It could be several million uh, Texas votes that get thrown out as a result. And where you know, the, the statistics are that you know, early voting uh, favors the Democratic ticket is a general rule. Uh, this is seen as just another way of suppressing the Democratic and independent vote in favor of the Republican vote. So we will keep an eye on that and um, let you know what happens. But, you know, it, it's a- another example of, of something that we have talked about to great length on this show. Uh, the the resurgence of all of these varied voter suppression tactics that have been going on uh, where the idea is to eliminate as many uh, non-Republican votes uh, as possible to increase the leverage that Republican votes have in the election process. You know, we've talked about things like the, the Southern strategy, which has been ongoing for, you know, over 50 years uh, the consolidation of Republican control of local voting districts through gerrymandering, through other other tactics that have secured a, a Republican stronghold uh, on the foundational elements of our election system. You know, we, we talked about and we watched as, you know, the latest addition to the Supreme Court was You know, pushed through by the Republican administration and Republican majority in the Senate, uh, even though it meant that they reneged on their commitments, their publicly stated commitments, both in the Judiciary Committee and the person of the chairman and in the Senate in the person of the Senate majority leader. That, you know, no vote on an open Supreme Court justice seat would be taken in the final year of an incumbent president. Well, you know, that got thrown out the window on the the altar of political expediency when there was no longer a one party controls the executive branch and another party controls the legislative branch, particularly the Senate. So, you know, it it is just another case uh of this you know voter suppression that we have seen going on in you know in this country you know uh, again over a a 50-year period in general but it's been elevated to a a high art almost uh, over the course of the last four years uh for you know all the obvious reasons and you know i as I've said, it's this is this show is uh, as as best as I can make it nonpartisan, and in in that vein, I hold you know Democrats and Republicans uh, to account for what has transpired in this this country over you know the past four or more years, and particularly in the last year with the coronavirus. Um, you know, obviously, the Republicans have used the coronavirus as a political tool uh, in order to try and hold not only the, the Congress of the United States, but the American people hostage in a way to, you know, what they would like to see happen. You know, they, they have admitted on the record that, you know, they did not want to take action on you know, coronavirus uh, prior to the election. Even though political strategists across the board have argued that, you know, a, a Republican led effort to provide economic stimulus to the American people and to small businesses and to housing and schools and all of these things would have been a plus for their electoral uh, aspirations. Yet they apparently they didn't see it that way. Um, you know, the same thing with the Supreme Court nomination, it is very well within what they could have done. And I talked about this on on the show prior to the the uh, the Judiciary Committee hearings where I laid out the four options that I thought Republicans had as to how they could handle this. You know, and, and one of them was just to put it on hold until after the election and deal with it in the lame duck session uh, that you have between Election Day and January 21st. Uh, and, you know, get it done then. You know, it, it, it is it, it was and is, you know, a, a fait accompli that having the majority in the Senate gave them the votes they needed to get Justice Barrett, you know, approved either way, whether, you know, uh, the whether Trump was reelected or Biden was elected as the new president, they still had the whole lame duck session to get that done um, but, you know, again, there are all levels of games to be played. The bottom line, and, and we'll, we'll pause it here as we take our first break. Uh, the bottom line, particularly for, again, uh, you younger voters, especially for those who this may be your first election cycle to be actively voting in. You need to make sure that you are you know, voting with your eyes wide open and your ears tuned in. To look at, to listen to, to digest and understand what the, the political strategies that are in play to get your vote are. You know, what are the parties doing to, you know, encourage you to vote their way or to discourage or discount uh, oppositions to vote against them? So we'll, we'll bring this back up after the break. You're listening to Fired Up Radio right here on WJMSradio.com. This is Steve. We'll be right back after this break.
1: Ah, yes, the world, planet Earth, third from the sun of a gun. 360 degrees, and as new worlds emerge, stay alert, stay aware, watch the eagle, watch the bear. Earthquaking, foundation shaking, bias breaking, new day making change. people caged the era of our first blood stage was blotted or erased or TV's to a hell of a lot of trouble to make sure that when we look things up we wouldn't fare too well. Wait too long. They discovered there were whole tribes of people in plain sight with no clothes on. That's right. The women, the men, the young and the old righteous folks covered their eyes and no time was spent considering the environment. Hell no, this just wasn't civilized. Another way they knew the folks were backwards, or at least this is how we were taught, is that unlike the civilized people of Europe, these tribal groups actually fought. And yes, there were some rather cruel. Yes, they were masters of hunting and fishing, courtesy came from the heart, and yes, there were medicines, love, and religion, intertribal communication by drum, but no paper and pencils and other utensils, and these folks never even heard of a gun. So this is why the colonies came, to stabilize the land, the dark continent had copper and gold, and the discoverers had a plan. They would discover all the places with promise and didn't need no leases or deeds, then they'd appoint people to make everything legal. and, and when the natives got restless deep in the jungle, they would call it guerrilla attack and never described it. Folks finally got wise and decided that they would fight back. Still, we are victims of word games. Semantics is always a bitch. Places once called underdeveloped and now called mineral rich. And still we are constantly hounded with unity just beyond reach. Egypt and Libya used to be in Africa. They've been moved to the Middle East. Examples the Lord I assure you, but if interpreting was left up to me, I would swear every time this version ain't mine. That's why it's called History. Earth shaking, foundation quaking, bias breaking, new day making.
0: Back to Fire It Up right here on WJMSradio.com. This is Steve, your host each week, and as always, we talk about what's going on in our political system here in the U.S. So, I wanted to pick up where I left off, and I started talking uh, particularly to the younger set out there. Uh, those of you, you, know, I know you hate the term, you know, millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen whatever. But particularly those of you who may not have been around for the election in 2000 between uh, Al Gore and George W. Bush, uh, where it, it ended up going to the Supreme Court for a final decision. And I bring that up because, you know, if you've been listening to the news, you've heard many references to the 2000 election, uh, you know, again, Gore versus Bush and you know a lot of comparisons between then and and what potentially might happen once all the votes are cast in and completed in tomorrow election day and um while i'm i'm not getting into predictions about who's going to win and and who's not going to win um you know and nor am i going to be reciting you know any number of polls that are out there uh i am like many, just gonna go ahead, you know, make sure my vote's concluded and wait to see what the outcome is before I pass judgment. But getting, getting back to the election of 2000, uh, this was a case where the Electoral College was all tied up and the state of Florida was the deciding factor in the election. Long story to a shorter story, uh, it, it ended up with. A, an order from the Supreme Court to cancel counting, and um, basically uh, the results were uh, left as is at the point of their cancellation. And it ultimately came down to you know decisions on whether or not uh, votes were being accepted or rejected and so forth. Uh, Al Gore uh, finally on December 12th, I believe. Conceded the election, uh, in in his words, for the sake of the democracy. Even though he was entitled to continue to fight and uh, try and get every vote identified and counted to a final outcome. Uh, Say that to say, you know, if we go into a a a contested result uh, as of you know what transpires tomorrow, and. You know, ultimately, it could again come back to the Supreme Court to make a decision. Now, the Republican Party uh, and the administration has already started the the motions, as I talked about in the prior segment, of you know discounting votes and getting votes thrown out. You know, they've had a long, long uh, campaign of trying to uh, discount. Early voting and the write in ballots uh, or rather the the mail in ballots and, you know, efforts to slow down the response of the U.S. post office system and so on and so forth. There have been a whole range of things that have been done to try and impact the outcome of this election Uh, at the, the bottom line is at some point, you know, we are going to come to a point where a decision is finally made. Um, you know, pro-democratic sources are, are, are calling for, you know, high voter turnout to make the results, you know, indisputable, no matter what types of delaying or disenfranchising tactics uh, the Republicans may bring about. Um, you know, either way, at some point in the coming day, days, you know, or, or maybe longer, we will finally get an outcome and you know then we can begin to move forward and say okay now where do we go from here what do we need to do so you know to the younger voters out there um i hope that you know no matter who wins that you you look at this election process you look at all of the things that have transpired in the course of this campaign Uh, From, you know, two years ago with all of the Democratic candidates and, you know, the Republicans who thought to challenge uh, the incumbent president uh, up to all of the rigmarole that we've been going through with voting and early voting and 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 all of that and really look at it through the lens of saying, how has this impacted, you know, our role as the voting public, our role in, in this democracy, what has this done to America overall? Has, has this whole process helped us or has it hurt us? You know, are, are we better because of all of the, the uh, negativity in the campaign and the accusations and allegations and the stories and the rumors and the conspiracies that have come out uh, or Should we be looking at really finding ways to, for lack of a better term, purify the voting process? Uh, You know, there has been a lot of discussion ongoing and will continue to be uh, discussions about the status of the Electoral College. Uh, That has been a big issue of contention, uh, not just in this current election, but it has become more and more of a contentious issue. Uh, Each election cycle, both, you know, national and midterm, you know, the, the second is, you know, how have our elected officials as a group, you know, Republican, Democrat, independent, how have they all performed with regard to our election process? Have they been, you know, a, a help or have they too been something that has hurt our electoral process? Uh, and at the end of the day, as as we go forward from here, uh, it is you younger voters who will, in, in more and more numbers, become the largest voting block in this country, replacing the so-called baby boomers uh, as the largest voting block. As as you know, we age and 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 die off. You guys will take over as the largest voting block. What does or what do you? want to see the voting process in America become. That's going to be the, the overriding question of the next, you know, four years, 10 years, 20 years, as we go out. You know, we, we should look back on all that has transpired, uh, all of the, the games that have been played, and all of the things that the party in power at this point, the Republicans, But historically, both sides have played these games. Um, What have they done to basically secure their power in the American electorate? And has that been fair? And has it been, mostly importantly, has it been fair to the American people? So, you know, just that's something to keep in your mind, you know, as you conclude the voting process in this cycle And dare I say it, as we begin to look forward to the midterms in, you know, in two years, uh, where we will go through another version of this all over again. And, you know, on this show, we will be talking about midterms um, a lot over the course of, you know, 2021, as we begin to make our way toward that election cycle. All right. Uh, Again, you know, a lot to think about their young voters. So please, as I said, vote with your eyes open, your ears open, pay attention, seek knowledge, dig deeper, dig wider. All right. I want to transition and and want to go into a, a kind of in the same vein. You know, as I talk about on this show frequently, there are political games that are played all the time and sometimes. Uh, They are not obvious. But once the facts come out, then, you know, things change. So if you think back to 2017, the Republicans, uh, particularly, you know, Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, et al., uh, passed through a tax cut that substantially benefited the wealthiest people in this country. Now, people in the middle class and even some levels of the, the lower middle class and, and, and working poor also saw some very small uh, cuts in their, their income tax. Uh, what wasn't mentioned then and what hasn't been mentioned at all since is what else did that tax cut do? And to that end, Uh, There was an article in uh, Raw Story that cites a newspaper article that was uh, published in the New York Times on Saturday. Uh, And this uh, was written by Nobel Prize winning economist Joseph Stiglitz. And he in this article, he warns and describes a process where many people are going to see a tax increase. As a result of the so-called Trump tax cut. Now, uh, according to the article, and I'm I'm quoting here again, this came out of Raw Story uh, via the Internet, uh, but it is based on an article that was written on Saturday in the New York Times. So you can go to the New York Times for uh, Saturday, October 31st and uh, pick up the article and read it for yourself. Uh, and it cites that, uh, again, this Nobel Prize-winning economist warned that many people's taxes are about to go up. But as he states, and I'm quoting the article here, but it's not because Joe Biden's campaign plans to raise taxes, as President Donald Trump has repeatedly and falsely claimed. It's because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act... The controversial tax cut bill passed by Republicans on a party line vote in 2017 has a provision that will start slowly raising taxes next year, i.e. 2021. And ultimately, Stiglitz warned, many low and middle income people will actually pay more than they did before the bill passed in the first place. Now, he goes on to continue. And again, quoting the article here, President Trump and his congressional allies hoodwinked us, wrote Stiglitz. The law they passed initially lowered taxes for most Americans, but it built in automatic stepped tax increases every two years that began in 2021 and that by 2027 would affect nearly everyone except people at the top of the economic hierarchy. All taxpayer income groups with incomes of $75,000 per year and under, that's about 65% of taxpayers, will face a higher tax rate in 2027 than in 2019. He said, and continue to quote here, For most, in fact, it's a delayed tax increase dressed up as a tax cut, wrote Stiglitz. How many times have you heard Trump and his allies mention that? That And they surmised correctly so far that if they waited, starting next year, the CBO and Joint Committee estimated that those with incomes of $20,000 to $30,000 a year would owe an extra $365 next year. That's in 2021. These are people who are struggling just to pay rent and put food on the table, wrote Stiglitz. By 2027, when the laws are set to be fully enacted, the stealth tax increases complete. The country will be neatly divided into two groups. Those making over $100,000 will on average get a tax cut. Those earning under $100,000, an income bracket en- encompassing three quarters of taxpayers will not. You know, And again, I've uh, gone back through my notes and never once ever. Have you heard any Republican mention this element of the tax cut? Um, you know, Donald Trump has has talked many times about how much benefit he's done for the middle class, and up until the end of this year, that statement uh, could arguably be set as you know mostly true, to borrow a fact check term. Um, however. He stops short there. He doesn't say, uh, never heard any Republican say on the record that, but in 2021, your taxes are going to start going back up again till, you know, in 2027, you'll be paying more than you were paying in 2019. You know, it, it, again, on this show, we talk about the games that are being played. More importantly on this show, I tell you, to go out and find your own facts, dig deeper, dig wider. It was doing that that brought me across this article, which I then went out and double checked um, through, you know, other sources, including the New York Times and, and other sources that were reporting on the story the New York Times posted. It, it, is, it is just something that you, you can't accept what is told to us by either political party. Let me be clear about that. By either political party, that what is told us on the face is 100% of the story. You know, in this case, and again, citing the, the last section of the article, the elections gave Republicans the power to enact these tax shenanigans. Neither conscience nor principles stop them. That last sentence right there is all important. And again, to the younger voters, to those of you who have not been, you know, in in the political savvy segment for that long, and this isn't a a dig on you, it's just you haven't had enough election cycles, you know, or enough years of, you know, political speak and pundits and all of that under your belts. The the thought that neither conscience or principle stop them, as, you know, Stiglitz wrote in the article, Should give you pause, should make you want to question your leaders, your elected officials at every turn to find out, you know, what's the real deal? You know, what what is showing on the surface? The real details are in the segment like an iceberg that you do not see below the surface, you know, and and this is this is a classic example of a game that politicians play in. They highlight the very best elements of a, a proposal or a bill and don't give anywhere near the same amount of detail to the elements of that bill that may negatively impact you know, their constituents. And it is until you you do your diligence, you do your digging and you find out about it. That's when. You know, the questions need to be asked. So remain to be seen. And if you're, you pay attention to press conferences and other official information that comes out of the White House or you know, the Senate or the House of Representatives to see if they begin to bring you know, this element of the tax cut bill up. Now, the, the cynical side of me would would say to you, I almost guarantee you will not hear anything about this between now and the end of the day tomorrow. Um, you know, obviously telling the 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 middle class that, you know, the supposed tax cut is actually going to turn out to be a tax increase uh, and that you have the Republicans to thank for it. Probably not a good voter get out strategy, but that's not to say that once the election is a subtle deal, that information will not be brought out either through questions from the media to the powers that be to the, the Kaylee McEnany's of the world and the Donald Trump's of the world uh, about this issue, then you can be able to see how they respond to it, if they are going to respond to it accurately. You know, remember, what, what they're talking about is this much touted tax cut that they have been telling us about since 2017 is actually gonna turn into a tax increase over the next seven years For anyone making essentially less than $100,000 a year. So, you know, as I say on this show many times, the political games never stop. What stops them is when the political electorate, that's you and me, when we are educated and intelligent and have done our homework, have done our diligence and know the truth based on, you know, getting information from all different sources and comparing it you know as i've said many times you know i listen to you know to the right to the left to the middle to the top and to the bottom because the truth is often somewhere in the middle and you have to dig in and get the details so you know this this article came up and just you know blew me away in terms of the fact that even in the level of searching and research that I do, that this had not surfaced before now, um, you know, and it, it just is a continuation of you know what I've often said about the political system in this country. So a- as we look, and, and we'll we'll do the final bit on this segment, and kind of look forward into what happens on. November 4th and you know December and January and and on out through the the time after this election the the question becomes you know what direction do we as the voting public what direction do we as the electorate want to see our country go in and it doesn't matter whether you know you are a supporter of the Republican Party and the incumbent president or if you are a, a supporter of the uh, Democratic Party and those seeking to to uh, take new positions in the in the government and replace them, we need to be having that continuing conversation with our elected leaders, you know, all the time. We can't stop once the election's over, you know. And in fact, more importantly. Those people who are newly elected in office, not only do we need to give them our feedback and our input, they absolutely need to have it. They need to, to know what their constituents are thinking. They need to know what it is that we want them to do. You know, and you know, it, it has been clear that you know, uh, up until very recently, probably until the 2018 midterms, um, both parties were kind of tone deaf to what the, the wants of the public were. You know, uh, I, I've said it before. How many times have you heard, you know, in wherever you get your news from that, you know, 58 percent of the American people or 60 percent of the, you know, of Democrats or 75 percent of Republicans or 70 percent of the American people favor one position or the other? And yet nothing is done on that position. You know, we often hear on on the Republican side of things uh, information, you know, that, you know, Donald Trump has the support of 90 percent of the Republican Party. Okay, he has 90 percent support of his Republican Party. However, the number that you need to to understand is two to one. And that two to one is the ratio that independents and Democrats outnumber Republicans in this country. So when you hear that, you know, the president has a 90 percent approval rating among Republicans, that's 90 percent of about 30 percent of the American electorate or about 27 million people. That leaves, you know, 73 percent. Of the electorate opposed when you count Democrats and independents now yes some Democrats will vote Republican some independents um, you know uh, even though they're independent they lean to the Republican or the conservative side I get that but again you you can't just take the numbers particularly poll numbers at face value we did a segment on polls uh, several months ago, and I talked about you know when you see a poll, one of the things you need to to look very carefully for is how many people did they actually talk to, you know what was the the margin of error. So you know if a poll has a three percent margin of error, and it's giving you a number, let's say sixty percent. That means that somewhere between 57% and 63% is the real number. Now, if they only spoke to 500 people, but they are extrapolating that to represent the population of the United States, i.e. some 340 million people, you, you get the idea that they are, are, are painting a picture with very few points of reference. So. You know, polls take them with a very large grain of salt. Look into the back data. You know, definitely uh, verify polls that you see with other polls from you know nationally known sources. Um, As I've always said, do your homework, do your diligence, dig wider, dig deeper, be informed. That's the best way that you can. Be assured to guarantee that your wishes are being carried out by your elected officials. So on that note, we're gonna wrap up this show here. As I said, if you are, are still in that group that is going to vote in person tomorrow, please vote, get out there and do that. Make sure you get there, bring a cup of coffee, you know, bring a chair, whatever, but vote. Alright, so that's gonna do it for this show. We will meet again you know, next week and kind of do uh, the, the postmortem status. Hopefully, we will have a decision by then. Uh, but if not, we will keep posted on, on the progress. Thank you all for listening each week. I truly appreciate it. If you uh, want to comment to the show, the email address is firedupradio at yahoo.com. Please go to the Facebook page, Fired Up Radio on Facebook, And check out the notes that I post there. Um, I appreciate your listening each week. Please take care. Please stay safe. If you're going to the polls, make sure you wear your mask. Bring some hand sanitizer. And I will talk to you all again in seven days.